You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Live from Hampton Roads in the heart of the 757, it's the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Before we get to a conversation involving a, a new coach in the desert... I want to follow up on what we started the show talking with. Actually, first of all, I want to let everybody know that if you're into pro bull riding, uh, within the next hour, so I'm going to keep you on your toes, sometime in the 4 o'clock hour between now and 5, we're going to give away a pair of tickets to a little Pendleton Whiskey Velocity Tour pro bull riding. Uh, now that 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 you know line's been sent out into the water, um, I want to follow up on a conversation we started the show with. We were talking about the trash talk between Juju and the Eagles on Twitter. Juju Smith-Schuster talking trash on James Bradbury, post a little meme. Everybody got really upset. It got personal. They uh, they argued. Everyone got involved, seemingly. The Chiefs are having their, their championship parade today. Imagine being upset that someone's talking trash when their team is actively holding a parade to celebrate the win. It's like, I really wish you would tone it down on Twitter and just parade through your city celebrating your victory, right? Really rein it in. Um, But the offensive line that held the vaunted Eagles rushing or pass rush to zero sacks, which is, I mean, that's big news, right? They were, what, the third most sacks in regular season history by the Eagles. Only the 84-85 Bears had more. Uh held to zero in the Super Bowl. So the the Chiefs offensive line at the parade right now is wearing zero sacks shirts. There's big zeros, sacks. And one of them says, zero sacks, put that on a bleeping t-shirt. They made a t-shirt that says that exact phrase. Uh, is that disrespectful to the D-line? I think so, Tim. That, okay. So then basically everyone on the Chiefs is, is a big old sore, sore winner. Gosh, from the same crew that probably says the end zone dances aren't fun. If you don't want them to dance, don't let them score. If you don't want them to talk a little trash, don't let them win the Super Bowl. If you don't want to bat flip, strike them out. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. The Cardinals have a new coach. It's also the Eagles' old defensive coordinator, John Gannon. John Gannon loves Kyler Murray and that right there. And I'll explain how I know that in a second, but that right there gives the Cardinals a chance. I'm not saying it's going to be some big success story. And we're going to look back and go, remember when some people were doubting Kyler because he had a contract that said he had to watch film. We're we're not, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the fact that John Gannon is like giddy smitting smitten with Kyler Murray gives them a chance. Now, the John Gannon jokes are going to be a plenty. Uh, I, I mean, any form of when Gannon's flight landed near the Arizona complex, it was the first stop he's made in Arizona in weeks after being the defensive coordinator of, of the Eagles. That's funny and and probably disrespectful. Whoa, but uh, but but those are going to be those are going to be coming. 
But that doesn't mean he's a bad defensive coordinator. That defense was really, really good this year. He obviously helped in identifying talent. They put together a roster. They they had some reclamation projects, some guys that weren't doing well elsewhere. They brought him in. He made it work. Here's Mike Tannenbaum on this Justin talking about Gannon being a good hire. It's smart. I mean, this is a young ascending defensive coordinator. This was a team that had 70 regular season sacks. He got a core nucleus of players better. And this is all going to be now about who's his offensive coordinator and what's his plan for Kyler Murray, who has a big contract and a big injury. So Mm -hmm. those are the two things that Jonathan Gann's going to have to deal with right away. The defense is nice. His background creating defense is nice. His background developing defensive players, identifying defensive talents is nice. It's about Kyler. The only chance the Cardinals have to have success is if everyone in the building is in love with Kyler because you do more to make the people you like successful. Think about it in, in whatever industry you work in. You have coworkers, right? The coworker who you like says, hey, man, I know you, you, you check out it at five. You could really help me out if you could help me stay a little late and get this thing done. The coworker you like... Yeah, of course. The coworker you don't like, even if you do it, you still might be like, fine, I'm not doing a good job. I'll help. I will finish. He needs a building built around his skill set. And he can't be combative with the coach, can't be combative with the GM. The moment he walked off that field, I believe it was a Thursday night game, and you could read his lips as he's walking off the field, looking at Cliff Kingsbury and saying, calm the bleep down everyone went the cardinals are in trouble so i was watching uh they they have like one of these little behind the scenes deals the team put it out little video john gannon just hammered home the final details right agent said it's good he said it's good sign pen to paper we agree you're our guy you're our new head coach now i'm sure you want to go see your family whatever i'm sure you want to go you know not house hunting whatever it is you do uh you know we'll we'll see you next time you come into the facility he's walking out okay and the behind the scenes cameras are getting it all he's got like the the duffel he's walking towards the door and somebody says hey kyler's in the weight room head snaps around like what as if you told like like a, a stereotypical 13-year-old girl that like NSYNC was in the weight room. Head snapped around. What? Drops the, 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 the duffel. They go, yeah, he's just in there talking with some people. He starts walking towards the weight room. And the funniest part is he can't help himself. He, he like starts to jog. Like, you know when, when uh, uh, you're trying to be cool and but there's like a line being formed? And you're like walking like, oh, okay. And then when someone starts passing you, you you're, you're all of a sudden up on your, your tippy toes. You're still walking, but you're moving faster. And then eventually you're like, forget it. I'm jogging. That's what he was doing. Kyler wasn't going anywhere. They didn't say like, Kyler's about to leave. You better go catch him. They said he's talking to someone in the weight room. And he just started ooh, ooh, like a kid on Christmas with a long hallway until where the tree is. Like, I'm going to get there fast. Runs there, gets there. And it's literally like, what's up, man? They shake hands. We're going to do great. We're going to win. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. And then there was it. It was, he was just giddy to like meet him. It was, it was like, it was a, uh, like an autograph meet and greet. And he, he was just someone there to get an autograph and, and, you know, a, a limited edition 
vinyl cover of his favorite music. That's what it's going to take for that team to make it work because he has to build the team around Kyler Murray. He has to get an offensive coordinator that is perfect for Kyler Murray. He has to build an offensive personnel group, right? A.J. Green gone. few others going to be going to be uh, DeAndre Hopkins likely traded. They're going to have to build an offense around him, and he's not going to be healthy until into next year. You have to build an offense around him knowing that the offense isn't going to have him to be built around until into your first year as head coach. You better love that guy. You better be smitten with that guy. And by all accounts, he was. I can't tell you when he hit like the little, ooh, like the the little pitter patter of a jog. I went, oh goodness, he's really into this. And and it's not just that he's really into being like a head coach. It's not like you know the Nick Sirianni tears, which were just because he finally reached some kind of goal he had set for himself. It, because he wasn't that giddy when he was just walking out after signing the contract, right? He looked like a coach. I was like, the work starts now. Kyler Murray was here. He was like, ooh. They have a chance. Are they going to fulfill that chance? I don't know. But they watching that clip, it may seem trivial, watching that clip makes me more confident in the Cardinals now than I had been in, in a very long time. A very long time. I feel like Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler, like 10 months ago, were like, yeah, we don't like it. We're going to try to coexist. And that doesn't work with, with that particular relationship. Right, Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes are like, can we spend more time together? I do these commercials in the offseason. Would you mind coming to just hang out with me on set for a little bit? Meanwhile, Cliff Kingsbury got fired and went to Thailand on a one-way ticket. I got to get as far away from this guy as possible. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Call and text lines open, 757-687-9494. That's also the Dream Launch text line. We will give away those Pro Bowl riding tickets at some point this hour, so be sure to stick around for that. Have your dialing fingers ready. When we come back, I have no idea what the Ravens are going to do with Lamar Jackson's contract, but I have a pretty good feeling the Ravens do know what they're going to do with Lamar Jackson's contract. I'll tell you how I know that coming up in a few minutes. Stick around. Studying film or setting up the game plan. He has football covered from under center. The Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I keep waiting for for something to break in the Lamar Jackson contract situation. I feel like for two years we've been getting the same because he's, I mean, right. He's the same class as a lot of the guys that have been uh, extended for years now or cut and moved on from or traded, right? We're talking about like, he's the same class as Baker Mayfield. Like it it feels like for a while we've been going, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? What are they going to do? And they say, oh, we love him. And he goes, oh, I love Baltimore. And then they do nothing. And I wish, I wish, I'm just going to get this out of the way. I wish so much I had something to tell you where I'd be like, boom, they signed. Or, oh, they're trading him. Put a bow on it. Send it away. Dunzo. But that's not what I have for you. But I do have a little, little, uh, little clue, right? A little piece of information. I have no idea 
what the Ravens are going to do with Lamar Jackson's contract situation. And I feel like I'm, I'm done trying to guess. But I do believe the Ravens know what they're going to do. First of all, they hired Todd Munkin as their offensive coordinator, Jamie's... Jamison, not Jamie son, Jamison Hensley, the Ravens reporter for ESPN, uh, jumped on SportsCenter and gave us the update. The hiring of Todd Munkin as the Ravens' new offensive coordinator ends a search that included interviewing 14 candidates over the span of four weeks. From what I was told, the Ravens asked Lamar Jackson for his vision of the offense at the end of the season, which was used in the selection process. But Jackson did not have any interaction with any of the candidates. Jackson's future is the next order of business for Baltimore. If the sides can't reach a new deal by March 7th, the Ravens will place the franchise tag on Jackson to keep him from becoming a free agent. This is an expensive decision. The exclusive tag costs $45 million, but Baltimore would control Jackson's rights as well as any potential trade talks. There you go. There's the, the, the basis, the foundation. Jackson did not have any interaction with the candidates. All right. They didn't want Jackson to know how much power he had. That's fine, right? If you bring if you bring in Jackson and say, who do you want to be your offensive coordinator? Guess what? Jackson's turning to his agent, who is himself, and saying, uh, they need me because I just picked the offensive coordinator. Ask for the moon and the stars. So they didn't go that route. Business. But I do think it's interesting that Todd Munkin's their guy. If you don't know who Todd Munkin is, he was the offensive coordinator at J... At Georgia, I was in my notes. Ready? You'll, you'll see what I I wanted to have the Georgia gravy train be be where he could have stayed. Saying this guy had options, he didn't have to go to to Baltimore. He could have stayed on the Georgia gravy train. But as I was trying to say Georgia the first time, I read gravy chain gravy train, and it came out JV train. <sighs> it's Monday. That's okay. It's Monday on a Wednesday. Todd Munkin had options. That's what I'm getting at here. He did not have to take the Baltimore Ravens job. Matter of fact, he turned down reportedly the Bucks job. Offensive coordinator, same position. And it's not the end of the world to stay the offensive coordinator at Georgia where all you've done is be a back-to-back national champion and set yourself up to be immortal in Athens for a very long time. Right, that, that sounds like a life that many would be completely content sitting in until the perfect opportunity came forward for you to jump at another chance or another ambitious move. So let me ask you this. Do you think he's jumping at the Baltimore Ravens job without knowing what he's going to be coaching? Do you think he took the Ravens offensive coordinator position without knowing the plan for Lamar Jackson? Of course not. Think about how different that job is if they are rocking with Lamar next year or if they are moving on from Lamar, traded him for a billion pieces, and now have to put those pieces together in the form of an offense. Think about how different that – I mean, that is like coaching the the, – I don't even know how to describe it because Lamar is so unique. I was going to say coaching the Bears or coaching Houston, but they're way way more similar. That's just having a quarterback that runs a 4-3 and having a bunch of picks. That's that's not different enough. Do you think he's like, yeah, you know what? We're on a back-to-back national championship streak. I'm at Georgia where we can recruit literally anybody. And, And now in today's world, it's not even just the best 
recruits coming out of high school if I don't like the quarterbacks on campus I can just go shopping in the transfer portal and take like the best quarterback from the the big 12 and just bring them on over to the SEC like I I'm gonna leave this for some magical pot of magic beans in Baltimore that might be I get to coach a former NFL unanimous MVP but it also means I might have four first round picks generically in the future that I may or may not be able to transition into a starting quarterback this year or not. And oh, by the way, the roster that they have is completely built around having Lamar Jackson. So uh, I would like to know if we have him or not. I'm, I'm a big Mark Andrews fan, but I don't know if it's just me, Mark Andrews, and the the, the squad of Ravens that are built to take advantage of Lamar Jackson's unique skill set or something I want to bank on. Or at least... In that interview, if they say, you know what, we are leaning towards trading Lamar, I would want to know, okay, do I have three or four years to get this offense cranking before you heat up my seat? I'd want to know, all right, if we're trading him, what's the plan? Are we trading him for a rookie this year? Are we trading him for and then making a move on Derek Carr? Are we trading him and then saying, you know what, we're going to stink for a year because I like Caleb Williams? What is the plan? I still might be interested but I need to know the plan. Like, I, I don't think that uh, Eric DaCosta, John Harbaugh, and ownership in, in Baltimore got together and hired Todd Munkin, and, and Munkin said, I have a few questions, and they went, uh-uh, just trust me. Wink. Is Lamar going to be here? <laughs> trust us. Wink. I think they know. And, and that is a step, Right? Because if they know, then then it's not just like, oh, we know we like Lamar. It's we know we like Lamar and we're willing to pay what it takes to get him. Or we like Lamar, but we know we're not willing to pay what it takes to get him. And it now just becomes we're going to tag him and then hit the market and go see what the best trade can be. And here are the teams we think we can swindle with a list. And, and maybe it's we love Tyler Huntley. Pro Bowler. Three interceptions, two touchdowns passing. Pro Bowler nonetheless. I, see, I actually think like those kind of ridiculous hypotheticals are kind of eliminated because Munkin is going there. I don't think Munkin signs up for that. I think if they say there's even a possibility of we're going to move on from Lamar and we don't have a, a direct plan to bring in some other potentially elite option or at least well above average option, I think he goes, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay at Georgia. I'm, I'm going to stay down here in Athens. It's got a pretty good gig. Every year it ends in a big celebration with confetti. It's kind of nice. I like pushing around Nick Saban. Instead, he's like, yeah, let's let's roll the Baltimore. Where I may or may not have a unanimous NFL MVP. I just, I just don't see the logic in that. I don't see the the... And, and Munkin, by the way, has been a NFL guy in the past, and he went down to college. Now, you might say, I think he was in like Jacksonville or something, so it might not say down to Georgia. You might say uh, it was at the time, it might have been, been up to Georgia from Jacksonville. But he had been in the NFL in the past, so he knows what he's looking for. He knows what he wants. I don't think he's just jumping up because it's like, ooh, NFL, sparkle, razzle-dazzle, it's something shiny, and I want it. I think he's going up because there's a situation that he likes, and that situation that he likes 100% involves Lamar Jackson or a plan after him. 
He was also the OC for the for the Browns and the Bucks for the, there for a little while. I did know that also. I did know that also. Bucks back in in the Dirk Cutter year, so he was a uh, Dirk Cutter was his head coach, so he was the uh, offensive coordinator with Jameis and, and a few others. Correct. But make no mistake about it, he's getting hired because of what he did at Georgia the past couple of years, taking old uh, Stetson, turn him into a Heisman Trophy finalist. Making that nah, never mind. I'm not going to make a Stetson joke. Tim Donnelly show Priority Auto Sports Radio ninety four point one. The reports are out there involving. Just tweet about it, Tim. <laughs> tweet about Stetson. Yeah, if you have a joke about him, oh, just okay. tweet no, about you can't do that. Actually, no, I couldn't do that because I didn't. I didn't beat Stetson. There's, there, I mean, Stetson didn't lose to anybody this year. He can talk a lot of trash. The off the field stuff hasn't gone great for him since the season ended. But but on the field, there's not much. You, there's not much you can say about Stetson Stetson Bennett. Uh, <laughs> there's also a lot of off the field, off the court stuff going on with the the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Kevin Durant trade. We're learning more and more about it. Kevin Durant to Phoenix hasn't even played yet for Phoenix, but he's getting standing ovations in street clothes. Uh, we're learning more and more about the timeline, and I think this might be a chance for all of you old timers. And old timers is really a state of mind more than a, an age to stand up and say, we can blame super team culture for this. It's all about the super teams. It's all their fault. Stick around. The only show that can take a lesson from happy Gilmore and apply it to NFL off season strategy. It's all in the head. Yeah, it's all in the head. The Tim Donnelly show on priority auto sports radio, 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto, Sports Radio, 94.1. What lesson from Happy Gilmore could we apply to the Super Bowl? Something along the lines of, you know, it's not over till it's over. Shooter had a 10-point lead at halftime. Happy came storming back. I think in that case, Andy Reid is Chubbs. Pat Mahomes, Happy Gilmore. Travis Kelsey. No, actually, Mama Kelsey, Grandma. It all fits. It all fits. Who's Juju in this situation? Juju is the guy that you will not make this putt. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about in the hockey jersey. He's the trash talker, just riling everybody up. Tim Donnelly show Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Uh gosh, I love a good Happy Gilmore reference. Uh Kevin Durant. The reports are out there and they came out last night. Bunch of different different uh uh periodicals. Durant wanted the Phoenix trade immediately after the Kyrie trade. There wasn't this couple of days that that was originally reported where he, well, what's your plan now that Kyrie's gone for him to figure it all out? It was pretty much immediate. He said, if Kyrie's gone, I want to be out too, and I'd like to go to Phoenix. He couldn't last a day without another legendary teammate before demanding out. Now, a lot of that means we're blaming Kevin Durant, right? And we had Trey Wingo on the show last week, and he screamed. We're in Radio Row. There's there's every 20 feet another radio station. I'm sure at least the five or six closest to us heard Trey Wingo uh, scream, are we not blaming Kevin Durant yet? He wanted Harden. He wanted Kyrie. It didn't work out. Are we not blaming Kevin Durant, KD, yet? Well, yeah, I mean, he gets his, I'm not going to say no, but I'm also going to say this. I think this might be the one opportunity I get where I can blame super team culture because traditionally I'm players first, right? 
players do what you want to do, especially those that have performed at an exceptionally high level. You've earned the right to have leverage. Do what you want to do. I might disagree with you, and I might become less of a fan of you individually. But to be completely honest, if you're making your decisions in your life based on whether I am going to be a bigger or smaller fan of you, you got your priorities all kinds of messed up, right? Make yourself happy. Live your bliss. But if you have a problem with KD leaving, I do think it's super team the era that is the problem. And and it's it's kind of us also. Because we don't give anyone credit for trying to brave the wilderness and not be on a super team. Dame Lillard is the best example. Dame Lillard was on whatever, the, the top 75, and everyone was really upset he was on the top 75. No championships, no MVPs. What are we doing? Put this guy up there. Put that guy, this snub, that snub. And I'm going, you know, Dame Lillard could have probably jumped over to the Warriors at some point in time, and he'd have three rings by now. Probably could have jumped to the Nets. He'd have three rings by now. He'd basically be Kyrie with less, without the drama. Like, they might be going into their defense of their championship. But he didn't do that. He's stuck in Portland. And we give him no credit for doing it. And and not saying we individually. I'm saying, like, we as a, as a sports universe. There are trees that give him credit. There's just not a forest that gives him credit. If KD sticks with Brooklyn, okay, Harden forces his way out. Kyrie forces his way out. If KD's like, no, I'm a loyal guy. I'm sticking it out. And 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 he looks around and he's like, it's me, it's Dinwiddie, it's Ben Simmons. Like if if he's doing that game and he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride it out because I'm loyal to Brooklyn, are we gonna give him a pass after he goes the rest of his career without winning another title? Are we gonna are we gonna just for, forgive and forget and go, you know what? It was it was a very honorable thing he did there sticking in Brooklyn, or are we gonna go? He never won a title without Steph. Knock him out of the top 10. Knock him out of the top 20. If there is a single super team out there, you have to be on a super team or else your legacy is actively being torn down. Now, if you're willing to say, hey, I don't care if my legacy is actively being torn down. Loyalty means enough to me that I'll eat that. Then you go straight to the head of the list of my favorites. Right, Dame, I try to prop up Dame more than most. There was a viral clip yesterday that, that went around of uh, Dante DiVincenzo waving off Clay Thompson and then saying, I got Dame, and you can read his lips saying, I got Dame, and then Dame went the next like three minutes scoring two points, and everyone was like, whoa, what a great play by Dante. And I'm sitting there defending Dame to nobody in particular, just in my brain going like, well, Dame Lillard's allowed to have an off game too. If he was on a super team, he would have just passed it to someone else that was having a hot night. He doesn't have that. And then I realized I was talking to myself in my in my chair in my living room, and I was like, all right, relax. But KD or, or LeBron or any of these guys, the ones that are bouncing around looking for championships, they don't really have the ability to just stay somewhere and win one title. They don't have the ability. Like, when's the last time you heard Dirk thrown into one of these all-time great conversations? You look at all these scoring lists, right? LeBron just passed Kareem. Dirk is top 10 in all of them. Nobody ever throws Dirk in there. Why? Because he has one title. You got to have two, three, four just to get in the mix. 
but he was loyal. Yeah, who cares? But he didn't go super team. Yeah, who cares? But he actually beat a super team. Pretty much solo dolo with old Jason Kidd, old Jason Terry, and non-offense Tyson Chandler. There was a Josh Howard in there, I believe, at some point in time. Like, no one even throws that into the mix. Kevin Durant could have tried to be, be a Spartan warrior and go tackle all these super teams, but if he if he came up just a little bit short, yeah, he can't be top 10 in my book. It's As long as there's one super team, there's going to be more because you have to keep up. Daniel in Virginia Beach has a, a, a thought he wants to throw into this conversation. You can as well. Call in line 757-687-9494. Daniel, thanks for calling in. What do you have to say? Hey, but you talk about Damon Lillard being, you know, being a loyal guy. I mean, I look at a guy here locally, you know, not too far away, and Bradley Beal. I mean, I know Bradley Beal's had chances to leave, you know, leave. I mean, playing for that, for you know, Purgatory Wizards team. I mean, I, I watch them every all the time and everything on, you know, on Mass and everything. And I just wonder why in God's name. I mean, you look at John Wall; he got out. Why would Bradley Beal want to keep stay, you know, keep playing for the Wizards? I know he's getting paid, he's getting a nice fat fat deal and an extension and everything, but. You know, I mean, they're they're lucky to be even a 500 team. It's it's a great point, and and his. By the way, thank you for the call. Uh, call back in seven five seven six eight seven nine four nine four. Always open. Um, his reputation has been going down and down and down because he hasn't been able to turn Washington into a winner. Now, if he were like true 2022-2023 NBA player, he would have signed his max contract with Washington. And then the next season demanded a trade and gotten all the money and gone somewhere else. And probably, right, he had a point in time where he was like coming off back-to-back All-Stars, um, averaging like 30, had, had led the league in minutes. He had like all of the, hey, I'm a really good guy, check marks. And he could have demanded a trade, gone to a bunch of different places and had great postseason success. Bradley Beal is not going to be mentioned. Now, I don't think he should be mentioned as high as like top 75 All-NBA. He shouldn't be like in the the Dames or the the Kevin Durant's or anything like that. But he should be higher than he is. He should be – he could easily be the second best player on a championship team. But we're never going to see that. Because pretty soon he's going to be 33. And then he's going to be at best the third or fourth best player on a championship team. I actually think he's turning 30 soon. So 33 might have been might have been rushing ahead there. Uh, Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We'll be back with more of the Tim Donnelly Show, including this question. We asked it yesterday. We didn't get to it. Is Travis Kelsey the best tight end of all time? Stick around. Finding solutions to sports' biggest problems is a team effort. Join the team and call the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1 at 757-687-9494. Is Travis Kelsey the best tight end of all time? 757-687-9494. First of all, let's establish one thing. He is a fantastic motivator. I don't know if everyone's seen what he's saying today. Uh, I I don't know who Travis talks to. We may have to talk about this later in the week. He genuinely believes somebody out there was doubting the Chiefs. I didn't see all season the Chiefs fall below the third betting favorite to win the Super Bowl, and uh, and he's out there acting like they were picked to finish dead last. I don't. I. I not, That's not what I'm here to talk about. But I just want to acknowledge that I've seen it. I seen it. I also want to establish that he is a tight end. 
Everybody told me at Radio Row uh, that Travis Kelsey is actually a wide receiver and not a tight end. Every time I brought up Travis Kelsey and legacy or Travis Kelsey and, and, and his impact, or all, it was always, well, let's get one thing clear. He's a wide receiver. He's not a tight end. I disagree. He plays tight end, and he might be the best to ever do it. Travis Kelsey on why he's always open. Why am I always open? I say it all the time. Andy Reid, baby, big red. He, uh, he, can, he can dial some stuff up at the right time, create some things at the right time. On top of that, you know, uh, everybody is doing their job. It's not just a, me just go out there and get open kind of play. I'm sure you guys like to think that, but uh, there's a lot of madness to it. There's a lot of guys doing their job for the big picture, and I'm fortunate that I'm playing here for sure. Because he is a tight end, Andy Reid gets to script him into excellent situations. His touchdown came against a safety. There was another clip of him pulling, like a like a pulling guard, only he was a pulling tight end with the pulling guard behind him. So it was basically a slide. I don't have to get into all the details, but he was coming across behind the line of scrimmage looking for a kickout block. He made contact with someone, and then Trey Smith, the guard on his own team, accidentally took out Travis Kelsey too. And then after the play, they were helping each other up, like, what happened there? But point being, you don't do that with with many wide receivers. You don't get many one-on-ones with safeties with many number one wide receivers unless they're playing the slot. And again, we could get into real real nitty-gritty stuff, but we don't have to do that. He plays tight end. But he does have a bunch of wide receiver skills. Since when does bringing the skills of another position to your position eliminate you from being your position? I'll use Dirk as another example. Second Dirk Nowitzki reference of the show. Shout out to to the big German. Imagine if because Dirk could shoot, we started saying he's not a power forward, he's a shooting guard. What? No, he's playing power forward. Yeah, but he shoots. So he's a shooting guard. That's essentially what you're doing with Travis Kelsey. He's a tight end. No, he gets open and runs routes like a wide receiver. He's a wide receiver. It's except for the fact that he's playing tight end. It's like that's that's not how it works. You start getting into the weird conversations where you're saying things like uh, Dan Orlovsky was saying earlier this year, right? Uh, Joe Burrow is the best quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is the best player. This guy's the best athlete playing quarterback. It's uh, no, if you're a quarter, if you play quarterback, you're a quarterback. If you play tight end, you're a tight end, and he might be the best to ever do it. Now you do have to get like I'll I'll be open to the other things that a tight end is is asked and required to do coming into the conversation. If there is an argument about Travis Kelsey potentially not being the greatest tight end to ever live, it's because somebody like Gronk or somebody like even Kittle at his best, we're looking at, at, at his peers, definitely the tight ends of the past, uh, they're asked to block and they do it much better than he does. Now, here's the, here's the fun part, right? We get to start mixing conversations. Yesterday, we had a conversation about Pat Mahomes. Where does he fit in historically? And many said he needs to keep playing to enter those conversations. He can't be in the mix with the Joe Montanas and the Bradys and and the Peyton Mannings until he plays longer. So what you're telling me is longevity matters. Well, guess what? Everybody right now that's screaming Gronk, if longevity matters, Travis Kelsey and Gronk are the same age. Gronk's retired twice by now. 
Kelsey has just been 1,000 yards, 1,200 yards, 1,300 yards, 1,400 yards, 1,200 yards, 1,500 yards, over and over and over again. If longevity matters, and that's what you're using to discredit Mahomes, then longevity has to matter, and that's what you have to use to prop up Kelsey. Unless you just pick and choose arguments as you see fit to make the players that you like the best. Which, hey, acknowledge your biases, you do you, whatever brings you joy. Just don't bring, don't bring a bias to a logic party, right? Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Don't bring personal fandom to a logic fight. Here's Brandon Jacobs on the Super Bowl postgame show. I think Travis Kelsey is above everyone. I mean, he's done a tremendous job in his day in the NFL, super, you know, on a super successful team that he has a lot to do with offensively. He does a lot offensively for the Kansas City Chiefs. He is the big reason that, you know, that we want to call Mahomes the GOAT. They got a great connection, and this guy just plays all over the field. Blocking-wise, receiving-wise, he's everything you want. I don't know if blocking-wise he's everything you want, but he is asked to do it more than you think. There's there's some strange uh, like groundswell movement that Travis Kelsey never blocks. It's not true. He does block. The problem is, he's such a good pass catcher, why would you ask him to block? And so, well, he's easily their number one best pass catcher so what we're going to do here is on three out of every four plays we're just going to have him smash his head into a defensive end it's like well that's that's not good logic he can block he has blocked he's better at doing this other thing again it's very similar to the basketball argument of well like you could protect the rim but if you're seven feet and move your feet quick you're probably more effective on the perimeter That doesn't mean you can't protect the rim. It just means you are otherworldly out on the perimeter. Right? Like imagine if if we looked at Dirk. I'm just keep using Dirk. Dirk is my guy today. Imagine if you looked at Dirk and said you're seven feet. If you want to be considered a power forward, you have to put your back to the basket and use post moves. And he's going, yeah, but shots out there are worth three. And I'm really good at it. And they're going, "Uh uh-huh, I don't think you understand you're a power forward. You have to go down there. That would be the equivalent of making Travis Kelsey block on a whole bunch of plays. It's like you're a tight end. You have to block. Listen, I could. I get it. But I'm really good at catching these seams, and and I lead the league in catches over 15 yards. Like, don't you think I should be doing more of that? I get it, but no. You're gonna you're gonna. How how good are you at trapping defensive tackles? It's like, what? The? For the record. Gronk had a better peak. Kelsey's had a better career. And that's individual, right? We're not counting rings for tight ends, are we? We're not sitting around and saying, oh, he's got more rings. By the way, he's not done, still counting. But but Gronk's, whatever that was, his second or third year in the league where he had 17 touchdowns and he was mashing people in the run game. It's the best I've ever seen the tight end position played. But something has to be said for the fact that Travis Kelsey is 33 and still the second best player on a Super Bowl championship team. If you're looking at a career, I think we got to go where we got to go. Dewan in Williamsburg has a uh, a take on the subject, so we'll get to him on the call in line 757-687-9494. Dewan, what do you have for us? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I, I what I brought up is I think we're jumping ahead of ourselves with the whole Travis Kelsey. He's, he's awesome, but honestly – I think we have to look at the Kansas City team in terms of tight ends because there was a pretty good guy that played tight end for Kansas City that people have forgot 
his name was Tony Gonzalez. Yep. And Tony Gonzalez uh, and Antonio Gates are probably the best two tight ends that we've seen, any of us have seen, over the last 30 years or so. But, uh, you know, I hear Gronk, and he did some good things, but Gronk really, he wasn't around that long, so I don't yep. even think of Gronk. I think of Tony G. Uh, and it's a great point. Tony G is a great one. Call back in anytime, 757-687-9494. Here's the, the only problem I have with it. Uh, I think he had 4,000-yard seasons. I'm thinking Kelsey's on like eight or nine straight 1,000-yard seasons. It's a production thing. It's a production thing. I like Tony G, though. Big Tony G fan. And I, we were well, we were talking with uh, Thomas Dimitrov, who was the the GM that traded for Tony Gonzalez with the Falcons, and and he said he went he went to Tony and was like, "You're not going to mess me over on this, are you? I'm not going to trade a second round pick for you, and then you're going to turn around and play one year and retire." And he gave him, I think he said, five really good years in Atlanta. So longevity, Tony G's got it. He just doesn't have quite the peak numbers. Different different era. I get it. Tight ends didn't do all the pass catching back then. So as Kelsey moves his way into likely the number one spot, he should look back and say, I'm standing on the shoulders of Tony G. Uh, but but I still think I got to lean Kelsey. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. The Eagles are losing both coordinators. Nick Sirianni, life comes at you fast. Coming up.